Sometimes it feels like nothing is working. We can do all the right things and check all the right boxes, but life seems to stay the same. What if there's something more? How can we find the life we're longing for? Feel spiritually alive, physically alive, relationally alive, emotionally alive, even financially alive. Together, let's discover how to live fully alive. All right, good morning. Good to see you today. Glad to have you. I love that song. In fact, we're going to talk what that means. What is the church? It's value. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad that you're joining us wherever you're at. We are, have gone through the last seven weeks talking about what it means to be a fully alive Christ follower, somebody who's really in love with Jesus and all the things that that means. And so today we're going to be talking about that as well, about what it means to be a disciple. When Jesus lived on earth and had his ministry, he had, you know, at 30 he started his ministry and then three years of, of doing ministry. One of the things that we saw him do was call disciples. And he would gather these disciples. And so we want to look, what does that mean? Because that invitation still extends. It extends to you and me. Notice he says here, next, here it is. As Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew, who ends up becoming a disciple, sitting on his tax collection booth. Come be my disciple, Jesus said. So Matthew got up, said, I'm in. And he, Jesus gives you the same offer. Come be my disciple. What is a disciple? Well, that word actually comes from the Latin term, disciples, and they based that one on the Greek term. Now, the, Greek, the, the New Testament was written in Greek originally, so that Greek word is Matthias, and it means follower, it means disciple, it means uh, a pupil, learner, apprentice, all these kinds of things. In fact, we see in the Bible four different ways that the word disciple is used. One is just being a mentor. If you're mentoring somebody, they're your disciple. You're supervising them. You're training them. Moses had a disciple that was Joshua. Elijah had Elijah. Elijah had his own group, a small group of people he was training. David, King David had his son Solomon. He discipled him. John the Baptist had a small group of people. Paul, he had Timothy at first, but then eventually he had like six people that he was discipling. So that's one way that the term is used. Another way the term is used is just the 12 disciples. I mean, we usually refer to them as the apostles. So the 12 disciples. And then there's, it's also a synonym for the word Christian. Now, the early church, they didn't use the word Christian. They just used the word Disciple. That's what it meant to uh, be a follower of Christ. But once Christianity started to spread and it spread, it spread beyond uh, the borders of Israel, it started, to, it started to pick up in this other term, like in Antioch, where they said, uh, you know, that a Christian was a disciple. But then there is a way that Jesus used it. Jesus used uh, the word disciple. There it is. Uh, uh, and we see that he did, he did this with other words, by the way, where he would take a word, like the word disciple, but he would take a word and then infuse new meaning into it. And that's what he did here. In fact, ten different times we see Jesus using the word disciple 
And he says, if you do this, if you think this, if you behave like this, you're a disciple. So we're talking as we close out this series on fully alive, what does it mean to become a fully alive disciple? And in fact, if you understand this, you understand why we do what we do here at Vineyard. I mean, Sharon and I started this church out of our home. It ended up going into some schools. And eventually, we bought this place, the Jim Strata, and remodeled it. But from day one, 28 years ago, we wanted to use the model that Jesus set out for what it means to be a disciple for everything that we did. In fact, everything we do, every program, every event, Sunday services, small groups, growth track, our dream team, our first Wednesday, or whatever we do, it's, it, if you understand the way Jesus called out disciples, you understand why we do what we do. So that's why it's important. That's why we want to look at it. To be a disciple, Jesus says, is first of all, is you need to spend time with Jesus. Now that's, that's not optional. If you're a disciple, you, you can't just say it in name only. That means you need to spend time with him. Any relationship is really like that, right? I mean, part of what makes a relationship is that you spend time together. And if you're being mentored by somebody, it's your job to fit into their schedule. They don't fit into yours. You say, how can, what do I need to do to organize my day so that I can be, have this conversation, this full-time relationship? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must come and follow me because my servants must be where I am. So in this verse, we see three elements of what it means to be a disciple and to grow spiritually, to grow as a disciple. Let's look at that. First is spiritual growth is a choice. We saw that when he said, if you want, he won't make anybody be a disciple. He's not going to force you to grow spiritually. If you're going to grow spiritually, you have to make a choice. You have to decide. It's not inevitable. If you ask Christ into your life, it's not inevitable that you grow spiritually. There's plenty of people that grow old without growing up, without growing up spiritually. I mean, you probably know some people that have been a Christian for years and they're not very spiritually mature. They're not emotionally mature. They're self-centered. You're thinking, what? Misfired. Because it's not automatic. You need to make some choices. And that's part of the reason why here at Vineyard, we try to make sure that you understand your next step. So we're always helping you. Here's, how to, here's what you need to do next if you're going to grow spiritually. But what you need to make sure not do is blame other people for your lack of spiritual growth. We tend to do that. <laughs> I'd be a lot further along spiritually if it wasn't for her. You know, it wasn't for him. It wasn't for my kids. You know, you can't blame your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids, your boss. I mean, you just can't. That will, that will cause you to get stuck. It's your choice. And of course, that's a good news thing because it means you can decide today. Secondly is it takes a commitment. It takes an action step. We say, I'm going to move forward. No more delaying. No more procrastination. I'm moving forward. Jesus said, looking at that verse, he said, if you want to be my disciple next, you must come and follow. You got to take action. You got to get off your rear and get it into gear. <laughs> you, need to move, you need to move forward. 
And life is really about making commitments if you're going to mature. I mean, when you get married, you start to, you know, that's a commitment. And that helps you to grow. You have kids, that's a commitment that helps you to grow. You go to school, you know, you sign up for college or something, that's a commitment, helps you to grow. You get a new job, that's a commitment, helps you to grow. Well, it's true, spiritually, you decide, hey, I'm going to get baptized, that's a commitment, helps you to grow. I'm going to get involved and serve in the local church, that's a commitment, it'll help you to grow. And so you don't get stuck in perpetual immaturity. Because you can, if you're not intentional, you'll end up getting stuck. Now this is a spiritually mature church. So if you're new to us, I'm letting you know, we're, this is a spiritually mature church. Because here at Vineyard, people are making commitments. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. And constantly making deeper and deeper commitments. It doesn't start... Just like a marathon, you can't just go out, if you're not trained up for it, you can't just go out and run a marathon. You need to go into training, and you grow stronger, and that way you're able to keep adding miles, you're able to do more. What's well, true spiritually? You start out just, well, in Hebrews it says, when you become a Christ follower, you start out with milk, and then you graduate to solid foods. I have a granddaughter who she's just making that, that switch. Just the last few weeks, went from milk only to solid foods. And it kind of caught her off guard. I have a picture of her very first bite, and then she turns to the camera. <laughs> like, what is this? I don't know if I like it or don't. Well, it turns out she likes it. <laughs> Some more than others. But that's what it means to be a Christ follower, is you begin... With your one step, and then take the next step, and take the next step. If you're going to be further, if you're going to grow spiritually in 2022, it's going to mean that you take a step today. Today, you, hey, I'm going to take another step. Now, here's some invitations that Jesus gives. Five invitations about making commitments. Again, he starts out small. See, so he starts out, just come look and observe what God's doing. Just check it out. And here's his phrase that we see in the Gospels. Come and see. Come and see. Very low commitment. Just come and see. That's what we do with Easter. Next week is Easter. You know, it's, it's good if you come to Easter with somebody. Easter's a whole different deal. If you're just coming for yourself, you think differently. You pray differently. If you're just coming for yourself, it's a different experience. When you have somebody that you've invited and they show up, changes everything. But the invite to Easter is actually a low commitment. Just come and check it out. Just come and see. You know, you don't have to say anything. You know, you don't have to stand up. We're not going to, you know, embarrass you like that or anything. It's just, it's just an, but then the next invitation of Jesus is follow Christ. So it begins with just come and check it out. Come and see. Then follow Christ. Jesus says, come and follow. Another commitment. But it's another stage up. Then he talks about, hey, instead of you relying on yourself to meet all your needs, why don't you allow me to meet your needs? That's another commitment. I mean, they're actually stated in promises, because it's true, God does promise. And, and the Bible says that even though everybody else will break their promises, God will never break these promises. That's in Romans. But he says, and this might be hard for you to read, but I just wanted to give you kind of a, a quick there's many of these, but he says, if you're tired, I'll come and give you rest. A lot of times when we're tired, we look for other ways to relax, other ways to recharge. But he says, 
If you give God a shot, see what he does. If you're thirsty, come and drink from me. Come and have life. If you follow me, you won't stumble in the darkness. Those who come will be saved. So over and over again. I love this, this invitation here to meet our needs. He even says he'll meet our, uh, our needs to eat. He goes, come and have breakfast. That's kind of cool, right? Come, I mean, I guess breakfast is the most important meal of the day after all. You know, that's what I take from that. But then, then reject self-interest. So that's another level. You know, it's not all about me. Some invitations, he says, come and deny yourself. Come follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Come and take up your cross. You can't be my disciple unless you give up everything. Give away what you have. God, and come and follow me. So, obviously, he didn't start here. The invitations of Christ, you see them, he, he, those commitments, they grow. And then, ultimately, to receive heavenly blessings, you're going to get invitations even in heaven. He says, come and share your master's happiness. Receive your inheritance. So, you have these invitations of commitment, deeper levels of commitment. And that's what we do here at Vineyard. We, our Sunday morning services help people to just take, come and see. Come and see. Check out what God's doing. And then you, when you make a decision to follow Christ, then we say your next step is get involved in a small group to, and find freedom. Find all that God has for you. And then discover your purpose. And then make a difference and impact other people around you for Christ's sake, not just for yourself, but what God wants to do through you. So these are the, the, these invitations, this part of this commitment process. And then also a relationship. Discovering that it's not about rules. It's not about rituals. You see, a real relationship with Christ is not, is not just in or out. And some churches have fallen into that. You, the, the clear boundaries. You do these, you're good to go. You do those, uh-uh, uh-uh, shame on you. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not about rules and a bunch of rituals that we do. It's about where your, your feet are pointed today. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. You can be a Christian for 30 years, but if you're walking away, that ain't good. You're, you're not a follower of Jesus right then. And so today you can decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. If you want... That's the condition. It's a choice. To be my disciple, you must come and follow. That's the commitment. Because my servants must be where I am. He's talking about a relationship. Being with Jesus. That's the key. Being with Jesus. The plan was that they would be with Jesus. They would be with Jesus. And then Jesus would send them out to proclaim the word. What does it mean to be a disciple today? It means it's your choice. You decide to take your next step, your next commitment... And then you say, I'm going to be with Jesus. I want to be part. What does it mean, since he's not here physically, to have a relationship with Jesus? Well, it's really, a lot of it is in conversation. In conversation. Now, that is prayer. Now, when I was, gave my life to Christ 40 years ago, our conversations were kind of one way. You know, I just kind of like, I didn't know how to hear from God. So, I mean, it was just kind of like I would pray and Hopefully it would work its way up to heaven and, you know, and, you know, all that stuff. 
But as I've become a Christ follower longer and longer, I start to, oh, that's God speaking to me. You see, a lot of times we actually understand the devil's voice quicker than, the, than God's voice. When, dev, when the devil speaks to us, we call it temptation, right? We're all too familiar with that. I'm being tempted by the devil. No. But when God speaks, we, you know, call it inspiration. Oh, I'm inspired with this idea. What if that's God? Often that is God. And so learning, okay, God wants to speak to me. I want to do this journey with him. That's why he says, be with him. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be with him. And then I must also love Jesus supremely. This is the second definition that he gives for being a disciple. Here's what he says. If you want to be my follower, you want to be his disciple, you must love me. You must love me, how much? More than your own father and mother, and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. So he is saying, loving him supremely. Everything else pales in comparison. He's not saying don't love the people in your life. He's just saying, in comparison, in comparison, you love God above all else. Above, above all else, you love them. And that helps, that actually helps your relationships with people. You actually need to be able to love people more fully if you love God first and foremost. Now, guys, I just want to say, especially if you're a dad or you're a, or, or a husband, there's, that, that gives your family a lot of security and peace when they know you love, when you love him more than anything else. Because they know, dad's not trying to do this on his own. My husband's not trying to do this on his own. And he's not going to steer me wrong. He's not, because the Bible, I know that Jesus is going to teach him to put our needs before his. That's what Ephesians says, right? Ephesians says that just as Christ Gave his life for the church. Husbands, you are to give your lives in serving your wives. And so he, there's a peace that comes from that. Knowing, hey, if, if my husband, if my dad is putting God first, I can be at peace. God's going to take care of me. He's depending on God. He's not going to, you know, do something squirrely like that. The, here's the deal. Spiritual growth is measured by love. Measured by love, not by Bible knowledge. Some people, they know a lot of the Bible. I mean, they're like Bible encyclopedias. You know, they'll say, ask me anything. I know where it is. I diff three different translations. I'm here. But where's your love? Because that is what is measured for a disciple, not how much they know. Says the most important command is this you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Full devotion, which is really worship. That's what we refer to as worship. Worship in the Bible is whatever you love the most. And so today, if you love your house more than anything else, you're worshiping your house. We wouldn't say that, right? Because it'd sound kind of odd. I worship my house. Oh. You know, but if you love your car more than anything else, that's what you worship. If you love your body more than anything else, that's what you worship. And so loving God and worshiping him means that I don't really care what other people think. I'm, I, he's, I love God supremely. So what does that look like? Well, 
if, when we're singing, for example, you know, if, if, it's easy to start looking around. Well, what's everybody else doing? I'll take my cues. And if everybody's kind of like chill and nobody's very engaged and a lot of people aren't even singing, you think, well, okay, I guess I don't, you know, I don't want to stick out. See, we're taking our cues. Or if everybody's fired up. Said, so, well, I don't want to look like them. They're, they look weird. They look radical. They're too, they're too rowdy. And so worship is, is, I don't care what other people are doing. I love God supremely. And so I want to shower affection upon him. I want to show my love for him, regardless of, of what other people think. Number three, I must love every other disciple. Uh-oh. Now it's getting tough. Because, honestly, it is easier to love somebody who is perfect. And other disciples are not perfect. They are irritating. They're obnoxious. They're prickly. They inadvertently hurt us. They disappoint us. Sometimes they're rude. They're inconsiderate. They have all kinds of insecurities and imperfections. Do I need to go on? And it makes it hard. And so there's plenty of people that say, Oh, I love God, but I don't like His church. Uh-uh. Wrong. Jesus says you can't do that. That to, have, to love one is to love the other. Jesus refers to His church as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. What if, I, what if you were married and I was talking to you and I said, Yeah, I like you. I just don't like your, your wife. But you can come over anytime. I'm probably not going to see you very much, right? That's not going to go over too well. Or what Jesus says, he refers to the church as the body of Christ. What if I were to say to you, hey man, I, I love you. I think you're great. I just hate your body. You're going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Those are, that's one and the same. You can't, you can't separate those. And that's what Jesus says, is that to love him is to love other disciples. It says, if you have, have love for one another, then everybody will know that you are my, yeah, you're my disciple. That's the hallmark of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple. Not a bumper sticker with a fish, not a little Christian pen, not a, a gospel witness t-shirt, nothing wrong with those things, but they are not what it means to be a follower. What it means to be a follower of Christ is that I love the church. The church matters. That's why I love that song that we sang earlier. How valuable the church is. There has been an onslaught from the enemy, these, especially these past two years, to try to devalue the church. You don't really need it. It's not that important after all. That is from the enemy. That is not from God. Jesus died for the church. He loves the church says, if anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred towards another believer, he says, that's, you're just, a, you're fooling yourself. It makes him a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you cannot see? He says, they are integrated. It's impossible to say, I love God, but I don't like his church. You can say it, but he says, that's a problem. That's a problem. You must love God. You, must, you can't just do it in isolation. 
You can't do it as a, uh, you know, separated from everybody else. And here's what we've learned, particularly over the last two years, but the Bible teaches that we need the church to grow spiritually. Growth happens in a non-virtual community. In a non-virtual community. See, when the pandemic started, we thought, oh, well, we've got online church. That's awesome. And, uh, and, but we've discovered, it's no longer, I wonder what it looks like. We have discovered, we've run that puppy. It's not working. People are not engaged. They're not, they're not making a difference with their life. They're not learning and growing out of, because they're loving people that are challenging to love their brothers and sisters in Christ. You just get up, super convenient. Flip on the TV, flip on the computer. You're still in your underwear. You know, just, you know, they start worshiping. You go get something to eat. Just kind of keep an eye on it. You know, something that interests you. This is what it is. Now, when you go and watch services or sermons, because there's a lot of great sermons out there, and you listen to podcasts or whatever, you can grow. You're growing in the brain. You're not growing as a disciple. Says, this is how all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 58 times in the New Testament, it uses this phrase, one another. We do it together in the flesh. Talks about caring for one another, needing one another, serving one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, supporting one another, greeting one another, on and on and on. It happens in the context of community. You come into the church, you've been kicked around that week, you're kind of despondent and discouraged, maybe depressed. All of a sudden, somebody comes up and hugs you, looks you in the eye, tells you you matter, and lifts you up. All of a sudden, all that stuff starts to just come off you. Why? Well, there's something spiritually happening. Spiritually happening. Where you're connected. Jesus hung out with people. They called him a glutton. It sounds like he likes to eat. He's talking about breakfast. Now other people are talking. I mean, eating was a communal thing in those days. And it should be today. Eating. And he talks about him being a drunk. So I guess his wine was good that he made, you know. I mean, Jesus makes more of that wine. And a friend of sinners, tax collectors, and even hanging out with lepers, the diseased. There was nothing that kept Jesus from relationally being there. Right up front, involved in people's lives. That's how you demonstrate love. Again, like I said, if you just download messages, you're going to grow knowledge-wise, but it doesn't mean you're growing in your love capacity, look, I love this verse. I quoted it in the King James because it's my favorite King James quote. Knowledge puffeth up. Now, isn't that a cool word, puffeth? We need to bring that back in. That looks puffeth, you know, but, but love builds up. Here's the way modern translation. What is really needed to build the church is love. Love where we connect with one another, where we're elbows deep and people that are difficult to love. And they grow us, and, we, and, and, on, and we're on mission together. We're making a difference in people's lives.
This is how we know what love is. Well, I want to know that. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers or the, and the sisters. For the church. Koinonia. Being, that's the Greek word for laying down your lives. Deep fellowship. Connected with people. People that know your name. You can't love a TV personality. You can't love a virtual pastor. I mean, I wish you could. I'm a virtual pastor. Please love me. You can't. Love happens when you're in somebody's life. And so they're sick and you're there to pray for them, help them out in some way. They lose their job. You're there to encourage them and bless them and pray for them. And they, all kinds of things happen We're in life. Ups and downs. We stand together. You see, what happens online is just the tip of the iceberg. And everybody knows the strength of the iceberg is below the waterline. The strength of Vineyard Church is, goes deeper than the virtual digital world. If you, that's all you can do, maybe you're at an age where you can't drive or you're in a hospital or whatever, in a nursing home, and that's all you can do, you do what you can do, but you're not going to grow. Uh, that, I mean, you, you might stay a little encouraged, but we grow together. We grow together. Number four, I must do what Jesus tells me to do. I mean, I, I certainly would think that would be a mark of a disciple. I just do what I'm, you know, it's going to cost me something, and I know that going into it. But I know that if I obey him continually, he will, he's got my best interest in mind. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. So this verse shows us three things about discipleship and how we can grow spiritually. Three attributes of spiritual growth. One is, is he says, if you continue doing that, it's an ongoing process. If you stick with it, you never stop learning. It's not like when you, you know, when you graduate and there's a commencement and you walk across, you get, you know, some kind of sheepskin. Boom, I'm done. Well, and all I know is it, for a disciple of Christ, you're never done. You're always growing and it's gradual, step by step, one step in front of the other. Also, it's based on God's word instead of just whatever going philosophy it is. Everybody's got an opinion. And everybody knows everybody's opinion more now because of, you know, all of the social media. So there's lots of opinions out there, but you're going to base your spiritual growth and your decisions, your commitments on God's Word. Jesus said, living out what I tell you. That's what you do. That's his, living out what I tell you, not just doing whatever you want. And living it out, actually doing it. That's an important part. Not just having a bunch of Bible verses that you've memorized. I mean, I think Bible memorizing verses are good, but doing it is always better. Doing it is always better. And so, you know, rooting ourselves there. And then where I experience freedom. Where I, now, we just read John 8.31, the very next verse, he says for a disciple, he says, then you will experience for yourself the truth and the truth will free you. It frees us. God's truth, when we start living it out, it frees us from 
from guilt and shame, certainly. Frees us from that gnawing sense that I don't know if my life matters. That today is worth living. That I'm making a difference. That's part of the freedom that he wants you to walk in. You walk in a freedom not filled with the stress and the pressures that most people carry. Because you're able to put that on, just cast that your cares upon him, he says. Because he cares for you. Freedom from fear and anxiety, insecurity, all kinds of things. I love this last verse. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives. And we, and here's the goal of discipleship all along. If you want to be a fully devoted follower, your goal is to become like Christ. And that's the strategy, the plan that we have here at Vineyard. Our goal is we're all on this pathway to become more like Christ. We're not perfect. We stumble. We make mistakes. We get back up. And we go, I'm going to keep walking. I want to become like Christ. So today, I want to encourage you to make a decision to grow. I am going to, it won't happen by accident. If you don't make a decision, a year from now, you'll be right where you're at or maybe even further away. You make a decision. Your next step today, I'm going to make a decision to grow. And then I encourage you to get on the pathway that we set here at Vineyard. Take your next step. Make a decision for Christ. Get baptized. Get involved in a small group. Go to growth track. Start serving. Get involved and say, I'm going to continually increase It's my choice. I'm going to increase my my commitments and I want to grow in my relationship with God. Okay, let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Right now I want to just take a moment. I always think that this time in the entire service is the most important because it's your opportunity to take a step closer to God. It's, you, it's your moment when you've just saw the encouragement and the power of God in worship and then we did a Bible study and then you just pause. Our, our lives today are just so busy, filled with so much stuff. And so we carve out a moment to say, God, you speak to me. Would you do that? It's not about me. I'm just a fellow discipler of Christ, just learning to follow Christ. Just a fellow disciple. But I want to lead you in prayer right now. Encourage you to take your next step. Would you say this prayer just right where you're at? God, I don't want to just remain spiritually immature. I want to grow up. I want to take my next step. I want to just pause there for a moment because some of you know what your next step is and you either didn't pray it with me or you just don't want to do it. I can't get you to do that. But God's love can. So if you're stuck in saying, I want to take my next step, then I'm going to ask you just to back up for a moment and say, God... Reveal to me how much you love me. Show me that you care for me. You have a plan and a purpose that's good.
And whatever it is that causes me to distrust you, Lord, I give you permission to uproot that. That actually is the next step. Say, God, I want to take my next step with you. Teach me what it means to have you as my best friend. To love you supremely with my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. Now here's a big one. Would you say, God, help me to love other disciples, other Christians. Help me to practice that love by attending church, getting involved in a small group, serving others, serving with other Christians so that we can make a difference in our community. Help me to develop spiritual muscle. You say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. If you've never asked Christ into your life and you're saying, I want to be a disciple, or maybe you're not a fully alive disciple. You've been playing footsies and just kind of playing around and not really got on board with God's plan for your life. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. I want to lead you in a prayer where you say, enough's enough. I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to grow. This is your moment. If you take this step and you invite Christ into your life, He will take you up on that. Your life will begin to change in ways that you never thought possible. You'll start to be steered towards your real purpose. You have peace and strength. It's a game changer, I promise. Well, actually, God promises, not me. So I'm going to invite you, if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, just for a moment, just give everybody privacy. If that's you and you're saying, I want to take that next step, I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. This isn't about joining the church. This is about you becoming a follower of Christ. Just, and all you need to do is say, I want to pray that prayer. And let me know about it. I want to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you, boldly, I'm going to ask you right now, just let me know, Andy, I want to pray with you. Just put your hand up let me, so I can see it. So I know who, who's praying with me. All right. You can keep your hand up. Just anybody else? Yep, I see you. Yeah, people all over. Anybody else? I'll just keep for just a, it's not too late. I'm going to keep my hand up for just a few more moments. It's your moment. God's speaking to you. Okay, bless you. Okay, you can put your hands down now. Follow me in this prayer if you would. Say, today, I want to be a follower of Christ. Help me to be a disciple. And all that that means. Would you say, God, I want to have the strength of Christ to walk through this life. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. And I know that involves being part of a church and loving other people. And I'm willing to do that, but you got to help me. Thank you 
that you died for me and rose from the grave so that I could have that same power to live my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you congratulate those? A number of people prayed to ask Christ into their life, just like I did 40 years ago. And God put me on a journey. I love it. Never turn back. Well, if you would, let me know your spiritual journey. If you have any prayer requests, a way for you to do that is the QR code. There's a way for you to let us know anything that you need that we can help you with. If you'd like to take another step like baptism, there's also a way for your information uh, if you go onto the website. Our connect card that's in the back of all of the seats is another way to do that. If you're online, there's a way for you to provide that as well. We'd love to hear from you. We will respond to you. Well, today is step two. They're not in order. If you missed step one of growth track, no problem. You can still just jump right in and be part of step two. It's only about an hour long. It'll begin your, help you to begin your journey of discovering what God has for you. We have lunch. We'll watch your kids. We're here for you. We wanted to help you to take your next step. And that's one way that we do that. If you'd like to support our church, the mission and the vision of our church uh, through finances, we'd love to have your help. We love to have partners that come alongside us and advance what God's doing through Vineyard Church. Here's some ways that you could do that. You can text 45777 and uh, then just put VCC for Vineyard Community Church and then the amount. Or you can go online or the old classic check, whatever. We'd love to have your support there. Would you stand with me? I'd like to pray as we transition to a final song. Thank you, God, that you care for us, that we're not left to wander on this large rock that's orbiting the sun without purpose. You have a plan. You created the universe so that you could have a family. That's how much you love your family. That's what we mean to you. Lord, I thank you for everybody who has become adopted into the family today. Lord, let them feel your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.